Hello everybody and welcome back to my channel. I thank you all here who is on this uh, lovely panel. We've got some very infamous readers and some questionably imaginative authors because sometimes I wonder about you, Daniel, where you come up with this stuff. But um, I will go ahead and give them a chance to introduce themselves. We'll start with JB. I'm JB Taylor and I'm the author of Unplugged which is out now. If you heard that, that was my Mario Brothers notification <laughs> sound. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a pretty good book, and I hope you read it. Hey, I'm Ashley from Read Now, Sleep Later. Um, I don't write things. I read things. So, yeah. I love your handle, Read Now, Sleep Later. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's true. It's so true. I am uh, Steve with, I guess Steve, talk, I talk about books and stuff, and this is my my wife, Brandy. Hello. Here to hang out and have some good conversation and have a good time. Uh, I'm Daniel. I'm the author of four novels and the Nightmareland Chronicles, an ongoing serialized adventure horror epic following uh, one man's journey to reach his estranged daughter in a world claimed by Eternal Night. And uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you all for coming. And Raul, thank you for Raul. joining us in the chat. You know you could join us on screen. Get on here, buddy. Yeah, where are you where are you at? Yeah, we got room. All right, I'm I'm really excited about this because I got this from Horror Oasis, but I do have a Oh, cool! Oh, that's cool. So thank you, thank you to Andrew from Horror Oasis. All the stuff went to charity and stuff, so it's a cool thing that you do. Cool. A lot of cool things. Hey, bring white Okay, so. Just to kind of get us started, by a show of hands, how many of you guys are reading a book right now? Yay! Everybody's reading. Good. So what is everybody reading? What are you reading, JB? I am reading a few books. Um, I'm reading the first uh, Mistborn book by Brandon Sanderson. Um, I'm reading the first person singular by Haruki Murakami. Um, Sarah's Claw. I can't remember the author's name, so forgive me. Virginia McLean. That one. And that's pretty much what I'm reading right now. Cool. Which one are you liking the most? Um, probably Mistborn. Um, it's, it's not a knock against the other two, but Mistborn just it started so clean. Usually when it's a new author, I have to kind of find their groove a little bit, but this one was super easy. Awesome. Oh, it must be nice to be new to Brandon Sanderson. I, 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 I would love to erase everything and start over again. How about you, Ashley? What are you reading? I'm reading To Sleep in a Sea of Stars by Christopher Paulini. I probably said that wrong because I can't get it right ever. You got it right. But, uh, yeah, I, so I, I wasn't I wasn't going to read it, but then I'm a big uh, video game fan, um, and the person who is the voice actor for the audiobook is the voice actor for a video game character in Mass Effect. So, 
<laughs> now we're here. I bought I bought myself a copy. That's awesome. And I just like the trilogy. Sorry. I love it. Oh my gosh. They just remastered it. Yeah, that's that's what I picked up because I never had a chance when I was uh, younger. It was um on Xbox and I didn't have it or something. I don't remember. But in any case, sorry sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's what we're here for. We're here for chatting. Yeah. Interrupt. Casual. <laughs> yeah. And um Let's stop with Brandy because she always gets second when we talk to that square. <laughs> um, I'm reading right now, I'm reading Nocturne by H.B. Diaz. Um, just reading one of the stories a day until I finish that one. And then I'm um, reading um, Blood Song by Anthony Ryan. Had to look and make sure I got the. It's pretty good so far. I'm only on chapter four with that one. And I'm kind of listening to the audiobook with it. And it's it's a decent audiobook. Um, and then I'm reading, I don't know if I'm, this is embarrassing. I'm reading Mr. Bodyguard by Lauren Ooh. Rowe. <laughs> so it's a, it's a like fourth or fifth, I think it's the fourth book in the Morgan Brothers series that she writes. And I, I just like that they, these brothers are just really super funny and there's a lot of really funny banter. So I've just kind of stayed with this. I like to have something light while I read the heavy. So that's my light right now. Cool. Who's it by? Uh, Lauren Rowe. It's called the Morgan Brothers series. It's really funny. The characters are super funny. It is. Oh, there is a little bit of smut. <laughs> I know it is a little smutty and sometimes <laughs> unnecessarily smutty, but it's good, you know. Who doesn't like a little smut once in a while? I need a moment to compose myself. <laughs> <laughs> the covers are embarrassing. Oh, no, this is amazing. It's no, a this good is... cover. I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're good books. So Steve, reading, what romance are you reading? I'm reading Cold Comforts because <laughs> we are chatting with the author next week, Marianne Albert. I love it so far. It's really great. I read the first story and I was hooked. Um, fell in love with the book. I'm on the second. I just finished the second story. Oh, the short so, stories. Yeah, short stories. Really well done. And I'm also reading the virus by Damien Lee. So cover. I, I'm getting that one. Yeah, I really like the cover. It's it's uh, appalling and attractive at the same time. <laughs> so it, it got me hooked. But yeah, I'm, I'm reading that one in between the other stuff I'm reading. Nice. All right, Daniel, your turn. Uh, so I, I'm all over the place. I don't have any of them right here. I'm doing a reread slowly of uh, Green Mile. Um, I am reading Worse Angels by Laird Barron. Uh, Press of Feathers by T.C. Parker. I just finished her excellent salt one the other day. Uh, really, really appreciated her writing. Um, and... And the next I have lined up, I'm going on a trip this week, so I've got some stuff lined up, but I've got, uh, things have gotten worse since we last spoke as well, too. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen I've that. Heard nothing but great things, so I'm excited to start that one on my Kindle. Yeah, I heard a ton of great things about that one. It's so cool that all of you guys are reading something different. Um, I'm reading Assassin's Quest by Robin Hobb, and I'm also listening to the audiobook for... The Dawn of Robots by Isaac Asimov. So I needed 
two different genres so that I didn't get confused. Have you read a lot of Robin Hobb? I have. This is my fifth book by her. I read um, the Live Ship Trader, the first two of the Live Ship Trader trilogy, and then I found out that that was like in the middle of the overall series. Yeah, so I went back to Farseer and now I'm making my way through it. So this is the last book in the Farseer. And I love her. I love I her as a writer. I read the trilogy, the Live Ship Trader trilogy. I, Leslie got me onto it and then she didn't even continue it or hasn't even contributed. No, it. she hasn't. She <laughs> talks about like, how mad it made her. It's so funny. But it made me yeah. want to read it. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I finished the third one about a month ago, I think. I have to go back and read Ship of Destiny as soon as I finish Assassin's Quest. So I have to know how, what happens to the Vestrit family. But I, I think that Robin Hobb has a amazing um, talent for taking mundane events and making them interesting just because you love the characters. It's like nothing, I, I'm serious. I'm like 400 pages, 463 pages. And there's maybe a few plot things that have actually happened through that whole book. And I just can't stop reading because I love Fitz so much. Well, that's, that's really cool. And I think one of the things that I really, um, I love about that kind of grain of fantasy. I know, I know the RRM printed a little bit um, on the cover, but like there's a, there's that like, there's a discussion about, um, I mean, it's character driven, but it's also characters are such a product of um, like sociological, like the way they frame their decisions and stuff. And I know there's a whole analysis on the Game of Thrones about how like up until the final seasons of the show, it was really rooted in the sociology of everything, like people being a product of their environments and stuff. You know, why Daenerys kind of goes bad at the end because she only understands destruction and war, even if her intentions are good. Um, which is why that's like that was why his composition of the whole thing, and of course the showrunners butchered the character arc, but you could see how it fits with what GRM was doing, which is to say like the power to destroy is not the same as the power to build. It's not like you can't create peace through like destruction. Like you only know your own trauma and your own violence. But anyway, Robin Hobb does that really well too, and I think like the Live Ship Trader series has just like. Some really interesting social commentary on uh, on like the institution of slavery and what it is to be like personal evil versus like institutionally evil. Like, Kenneth is fascinating uh, because he's like a terrible, terrible human being. But for almost the entire trilogy, he does things that impact the world in a way that's like so much better than anybody else. Like he's changing the world for the better for terrible reasons. But it, does that make him worse than everybody else or better? Like, is you know what I mean? In, in any case, like, family, but, no, but, that's oh, great. That's good. good stuff. Yeah, that's so cool, Maza. So what's Maza saying here? Oh, Two hours away from me, and she really. I'm gonna send you some books to get signed for me. Really? <laughs> I'm I excited. Would... I'm gonna start next next month with um, is it Assassin's Apprentice? Yeah, that's the one Steve bought me. I'm gonna read that. I'm, I'm just going to caveat your reading experience. Some people find it really hard to get into the the first person in this book because Fitz is a child in the beginning. and But you have to remember Robin Hobb is writing a child. And so children tend to be, they don't make very good decisions. And you get, you get I found myself getting frustrated with him as a character 
but I had to keep reminding myself, she does such a great job of writing him as a child that it's hard for us as adults to connect with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sounds really interesting to me, actually. Well, if you keep that in mind, I think you'll love it. Okay. But it was sometimes I was like, man, this kid. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Ashley, did you have you read Robin Hobb? No, but you're talking about how uh, characters make you angry. And I can't help but think of uh, Ren in the Poppy War and how livid I was when she made some of the choices that she made. So now that you're saying that, I'm like, well, I need to go look at this. I read I read the first one of those. Mm -hmm. What did you think? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I mean, it was like incredibly bleak. Like it was far more horrifying than a lot of horror I've read. Um, I liked it a lot. I was kind of waiting to do a buddy read of the second one with Edward Lorne. Um, but Did you read it this month? We're doing it this month. Oh, you are? Okay, well, I need to buy it then. So yeah. let's get on it. Because I, I don't know if he like, just didn't like the first one or, I mean, his, his reading is like all over the place and his tastes are a little variable sometimes, I feel like. Let me check uh, the like all calendar. Of us. <laughs> we are meeting up for discussion on the 27th at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. I'll, I'll order it. I'm, I think I should be able to get it in. Cool. We need to send you the link to our our forum, Daniel, so you could see all the cool stuff that we're doing in case you want to join in anything else. Is this on Discord? No, we, no, we don't do Discord. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've been trying to do Discord. <laughs> I have strong feelings about Discord. So JB, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, JB, have you read Robin Hub? I have not, but y'all are selling me on it, though. <laughs> See? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I want to read it. Everybody keeps talking about it. Are you a character-driven reader? Um, yeah. I, I don't really mind. As I, my preference preference is the kind of day-to-day -day kind of story I, I love just going I don't care if it's like the mundane like with Haruki Murakami like you'll like cook dinner with the character like nothing will happen for like four for like four chapters but you're just there for it love it um so character driven really helps but as long as like you can pull me into the moment and I'm invested I'm good to go I'll read a thousand pages I don't care <laughs> That's cool. I'm the same way. That's why I like Haruki Murakami. I don't know how he does it. It's like, I just read a 700 page book. I don't really know what happened. Right. <laughs> I loved every moment of it. Right. Yeah. But usually, uh, usually if you take, oh, oh, you're fine. Uh, usually if you take a character and you put them in the kitchen, that's just a writer trying to hit a word count. And it's not interesting, but you're coming. He just nails it. <laughs> I mean, you want to make those dishes too, so. <laughs> Was somebody Anybody else? Need, uh, David. Go ahead. Oh, I have his uh, book that you recommended. I, I have it on my shelf. I'm going to read it. I actually read the synopsis, so <laughs> I keep going back and forth. I tell people I never read synopsis, but. Um, I went ahead and read that one because when you had mentioned it, I wanted to know more about what it's what it is about. And the synopsis didn't sound like anything you described. So. But it did sound interesting. 
like, I don't think the synopsis for that one gives away anything because the book is just. This is I have it right here actually. But... It's a historical fiction, which is why I'm really yeah. excited about um, it. Is that the one you sent me a picture of the other night, Stacy? I don't know. You said you were you sent me like a screen or a shot of something going on in some historical fiction you picked up. Oh no, that one was the binding. <laughs> oh okay. I have so many. <laughs> as, that as was a funny one. one. <laughs> so I was flipping through a book I just picked up, and I like to kind of you know just kind of flip through the books. Uh, through the pages and I just happened to stop like on the middle in the middle of the book and there was a line in there and I was like ooh interesting now I want to know what happens but it was so very she, steamy so she sends a shot of it to her resident smut reader over here <laughs> I was like I didn't know this and was I gonna was like, be Whoa. <laughs> yeah, this, this was um, I saw Joe Hill as a Nosferatu signing and he actually has a poster of this cover above his writing desk. I mean, as of when he wrote Nosferatu, he said it was his favorite novel. And uh, I can see why. I mean, like, it's really, really underread. I mean, it's just, it's a special book. And David Mitchell's like, I mean, I don't know if you have anybody, has anybody read David Mitchell, like Cloud Atlas or? No. no I've, great things I've read one book by him. I, I forget the title. It's about like a weird kind of haunted house thing. Like oh, a, uh, house. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, he, he doesn't give like a shit, excuse my language, about like being in one genre or another. So he's literary, but he's just like, now there's going to be like ghosts and now there's going to be this. Yeah. And you might be, you're in a really serious period piece and then all of a sudden it's like horror for like a hundred pages and you're like, I like that. It's a love story, and then like I mean, it's just it's just wonderful and sweeping and beautiful and hilarious and like tragic and people you think are the main characters are like just side characters and the other main and then there's like other people who are actually the main characters, but it's just. Yeah. It's, yeah. I've I've gotten I think halfway through Cloud Atlas, which I believe he wrote, and that's that's pretty much what he does with with that. It, it, Different stories that are supposed to be interconnected that yeah. they're all completely different. It's like a pyramid, and yeah, it's, it's really unique. It is, and I, I kind of agree with Stephen King's commentary on Cloud Atlas, where he says it felt like kind of just more like um, like a like a literary experiment than it did like a narrative. Yeah, I mean, I think Cloud Atlas is like a remarkable showcase of just sheer talent and like breadth of vision, but. Um, this is a more like tr like a more traditional narrative uh, around like a place and a cast of characters in one specific time, relatively speaking. And it's just like the storytelling chops are just off the charts. Like he's just so good. Um, I can't all his talent comes together in his book. He's, he's very. Yeah, I just added it to my list. <laughs> Don't don't be intimidated by any of like the language stuff because like or like the names and stuff. Just like roll with it. You'll, it's it's really not a hard read. It's just like you have to give it like a chapter and a half or so before you just start to pack it. Sounds good. You also did one called Black Swan Green. If anybody likes um, coming of age fiction. Oh, I love coming of age. Yeah, I do. Awesome. I like coming of age. Black Swan Green is just like okay. Like a hilarious 
touching, like straightforward, no, no, like fantastic thrills to it. No science fiction episodes or anything. Just, just a, like a beautiful coming of age story, like small scale. Great. Great cover too. This is going to be like our blow up your TBR. I know. <laughs> I know. Everybody that follows me on Goodreads is going to see all my additions from this. Wants to read, wants to read. Wants to read, wants to read. Speaking of TBRs, you want to show them? Oh, look what I got this week. <laughs> that looks familiar. Somebody nice sent me this and this also. That's sent good. this to me. Actually, Stacy sent it to us. Um, she said, Steve has to share. Yeah, I, I can't afford to buy you two separate copies. No. We don't share books. We, you know what? We joke about sharing, but we share. He's gonna let me read Daniel's books starting next week. He has all, all of them. So, I was, yeah, I was being nice. I have them when you, I finish Nocturne. I'm watching, reading Daniel's books starting next week. And he, I said, can I just read them? Right but here. he has them. He says I can use them. So it's proof. We share. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Is that your first Joe Hill, by the way? I get excited about Joe No, Hill. We, we did Nosferatu yeah, last month. We, just, we read Nosferatu But everybody keeps month? talking about this one. Yeah. So Leslie wants to read. Who shall start with you? Brandy. <clears throat> what? Read what? Leslie wants to read. Who shall start? I actually have a, I oh. have a oh, yeah. Leslie, yes, let's read it. I, I just barely saw that. Sorry. I think Denise, she wants to read it too. Yeah, that is so cool. I'll read it. But it probably won't be till maybe next, next month. Year. <laughs> or I know Leslie's doing a different readathon next month. So let me know. Yeah, I'll read it with you. What is it called again? The Independent Readers? Or Leslie, what's the name of the readathon? Hey, Raul. Hey, Raul. Hi, Leslie. Raul. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to set up. No worries. I was just going to tell you you broke my heart with your Nosferatu review. Oh, you know, <laughs> that's, that was a mix. That, that auto okay, good. Affected into that. I mentioned in the video. You, you might try reading it like a couple years from now because maybe, like, I don't know. I don't know how quite how badly, you know what I mean? But like your, your complaints about Charles Manx. Kind of yeah. fell away for me on the second read, on the second read because I kind of felt oh, the same way at first. Like where it's like a reread kind of book. I thought so. Like the first time I read it, my expectations were so high, and yeah. um, the the bad guy in heart shaped box scared the hell out of me. And then Charles Manx is totally so like idiosyncratic and kind of like off kilter and funny and weird and like he didn't hit me the same way. And I like it wasn't. Like, it wasn't, like, the dish that I thought I was getting. And it was still a good dish. I found out later when I read it, like, when I reread it, I was like, oh, this this guy is, like, I thought he was special in ways that I didn't really, like, connect with the first time because of my own expectations for what a villain should or shouldn't be. Um, and I love it. In any case, I, love it. I have a tattoo from it. Oh, that is a great idea for a tattoo, though. Anybody get the reference? Yeah. 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 Hey, Ashley, have you read Nosferatu? No. No. 
We just read it no. So. I was going to read oh. it with y'all, and then <laughs> things happened. Puppy. Oh, I have a dog that looks just like that. He's got a lobster. Same Sorry. Sorry. But um, what is it? Um, the other Joe Hill book that y'all just talked about, Heart Shaped Box. I've had that on my TBR for the longest time, but I have to really pace myself when it comes to horror because I have PTSD and my paranoia sucks. So, <laughs> and I, my imagination is my imagination is so creative. Like, I think I was reading Stephen King's It at my in-laws house and I could have sworn I, saw, I heard a clown laughing and I lost my shit like I was <laughs> like I'm not doing this I'm gone but that they're on my list to read like I have like 600 books I want to read wow nice. cheers Raul so <laughs> oh yeah he's got my clown <laughs> I found more in the Nosferatu that has nothing to do with oh the God. black and white film right at all from the with the other talking about because mm-hmm. uh, every time you, you guys say Nostromati, that's all I think about is the movie from the 30s so okay I think that's thing. why he named his car that right yeah it's yeah because well, okay. he said his wife used to call him a vampire yeah, because it was. Oh, that's right. So it was a, oh, okay. it was a guy. His wife used to tell him he was like that guy. Have you read any uh, Joe Hill, JB? I uh, listened to the audiobooks of almost all of them. Um, I, the only two that I haven't are his last two. Um, but yeah, I've, he's, he's a really good writer. He, it, it's weird, though, with me. I, I never like his books the first time. Sometimes not even the second. I, I, I usually end up putting him down. And then for some reason, that third time, it's like the charm. I always end up finishing it and loving it. That was especially the case with The Fireman. I put that down like two or three times. And then I could, I love one. Yeah. And then I just absolutely loved it when I finally finished it. The Fireman, I think, is another one where it's like readers. He doesn't like writing like the same book ever, I feel like. Right. So. Sometimes his reader base is like a little spun by how much, like, how how unpredictable his books are in terms of genre and stuff. Like even Full Throttle had like all this mix. I loved Full Throttle. Like I, I adored those like those stories. Fate Returns. Anybody? Okay. I haven't read. He hasn't. Uh, he hasn't read it yet though. Or is it? Yeah, Full Throttle though. Yeah. Right? I saw Leslie that you said you would read it in a few months. Um, I'll wait for you because I, you know, I'm, I'm down to read it whenever. So, so speaking, of, speaking of it, yes. Speaking of, speaking of it, I have a question for the panel. We can go around the around the uh, around. Is this is gonna get you in trouble with probably with yeah. People? I, I got in trouble for this last time. Raul, thanks for that. Thanks for getting me in trouble with your adaptive tag, by the way. Whatever. So, no. so we can go around. Uh, let us know if you prefer the the 2019 or whatever version of the movie or the miniseries from the late 80s or the early 90s. 
You know, you know what, it Steve? That back, back, you deserve that backlash. I totally <laughs> that idea. Let's, let's Everybody likes them. I, I want to hear what everyone thinks. Stacy, kick us off. What do you? What would you? What do you prefer? So what? What exactly is the, the whole the? Just the clown? Just Pennywise? No, just the, the just entire. The, do you prefer okay. the movie or the miniseries? Miniseries. I prefer the miniseries. And why? I thought that it it followed the book a lot better than the movies did, and I felt like the movies were really just trying to scare you. It wasn't about the story. The miniseries was more about the story. So I felt like it was a better adaptation to the book. If I hadn't read the book, I probably would have liked the movie better because the miniseries was slow, but that's how the book was, right? It's it's more of a character-driven horror than it is, you know, jump scares and things like that. What do you think, so. JB? Uh, I didn't like any of them, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the, the older one was better, but I think because it was made for TV, it kind of suffered for it. I think it, if it would have been a similar style, but made into like a feature film, I think it could have been better. Um, the, the Pennywise was tremendous, but I just didn't care for it. The newer ones, I think I got like 25 minutes into the first one and I was I'm, I'm out. It was, it was just not good. Um, that's not a popular opinion. I've been roasted before, but I just, yep. I just can't do it. Go get roasted again. <laughs> yeah, Ashley, what do you think? Skip me, I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> so I prefer the miniseries. I don't I didn't like the movie at all that much. I prefer the miniseries. Um what were you gonna say, JB? I, I just remembered one scene I really did like in, in that miniseries. There was a scene in a library. I can't I think of, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but that was really, really creepy. They, but, but the balloons when they pop? Yeah, yeah. and they're like bloody yeah, balloons. Yeah, that was really well done. Yeah. Yeah, I like the the miniseries too because Tim Curry. Yes. <laughs> That's like, I had, I don't know, I didn't, wouldn't say I had a crush on him, but I had like an obsession with him a little, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, Clue, it. Legend. Yeah. When, yeah. I, yeah, when I was growing up, like oh, that, shit. he was cool. He was the guy from Legend? He was. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. When I was two years old, my dad, I was I went to my dad's house and I was really excited about the cookie monster. He said, Period. The monster, and they showed me Legend. I was traumatized for like six months. That movie scared <laughs> the crap out of me when I was little. He's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that was him. His voice. Man. It's like the only movie Tom Cruise is actually good in. Well, that's blasphemy. <laughs> Risky business? Come on. Thank you, Jack. Tom Cruise is good in Vanilla Top Sky. Gun. There's a few other ones. I like Vanilla Sky. Top Gun. Nah. Top Gun was a good movie, but but it wasn't because Tom Cruise was a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel, Daniel, did you prefer the miniseries or the movie? Uh, it's been a really long time since I've seen the miniseries. Um, I know that I love Tim Curry and everything. Um, I, I had really high hopes for the new movies. I thought the first one was pretty solid, even if they, cheap, they cheapened uh, Pennywise at the end of it, as they always do. Um, and I thought the second one was like the worst piece of trash ever made. <laughs> like, they, they didn't develop a single character. They just like tried to like continue to flash back to the kids for point 
pointless scenes that they made up the whole time. It was like a three-hour movie with no character development. They took the whole, like, Ben gets hot thing to, like, just, like, a parody level. Hmm. Like, I mean, that wasn't anywhere near the worst flaw of the movie. But, <laughs> like, I mean, and, and just everything about the movie, like, just... They had they, they cut all of this like fantastic stuff in favor of just like filler, hmm. and and then and then just they kind of like dipped their toes in the cosmic horror stuff at the end, but in like, the least interesting way. So I guess to answer your question, when I think of those movies, all I think about is how bad part two is. Yeah. No. <laughs> so it had an impact. <laughs> yeah. Not the right kind, though. So, Ashley, what do you think now that you're back with us? Uh, well, if I would have known that we were going to talk about it, I would have looked for it way earlier. But I have this dish towel with the newest Pennywise. Um, what's his name? Scarsborough? Scars I don't remember. Yeah, Scarsguard. Yeah, but I, I I have to like keep it every once in a while out in the open. But my daughter's three, and I have to be careful about that. So you know. Uh, <laughs> but I really liked the new ones just because I didn't find Pennywise that scary in the miniseries, and for some reason, Bill Skarsgård just oh, it was amazing. Like he scared the pants off of me. Period. I thought he was yeah. great. He's definitely great. They just I, I was just really disappointed they continued to use him for the same like now I'm running at you really fast like CGI mm -hmm. jump scare. Like they did that like fifteen times over the course of the two minutes. Yep. Yeah. And he never yeah. gets to them either. Yeah, it's like, it's oh like I'm running so fast, but somehow you all are gonna get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't find part two. We just watched part two uh a lot about a week ago and I laughed the entire time. Like I wasn't really that scared. Like I was just laughing, but it was good. It was fun. Like it was fun because it was so bad, or it was fun because it was fun. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I was kind of under the influence, so that might have been the reason too. But <laughs> yeah. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Hey Melanie, so Ralph, what you what you get? What I'm with my uh, people here. I'm, you're uh, outnumbered. <laughs> As a child of the '90s, uh, I wasn't around. I think when the miniseries came out, so it really didn't have much of an impact on me. I saw the movie when I was a kid, but I never really understood the story. What was happening? I thought as a kid that it was just a clown, like a deranged clown just killing kids. So reading the book and actually watching the films, I realized that he's like a, that's why they call it it, because it's not a clown. That's just the shape of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it took the films to realize. I mean, I read the book, 95% of it. That's, I can't say 100% because I didn't finish it. Uh, but yeah, I prefer the films. The second part is a little bit of a, like a cash grab. I wish they would have stopped at the first part. That would have been perfect. I, I don't think we needed a second part. I know there's mm -hmm. a second part to the story, but did we really need it? Not really. Uh, like the first bit with the kids was just perfect. That one was a solid film. 
second one with the adults, there's like a lack of chemistry between them. Hmm. You know, uh, it's maybe it's the actors, but I I didn't really enjoy it. But I yeah, prefer the film. So they don't develop the like, like, the adults I, have more character development. I feel like the kids were given more time and more like room to play compared to the adults, where they're like, well, we're supposed to already know each other. Because in the film, I feel like they get to know each other a little better, and the adults. Because I know like the actors were given like a couple of months by themselves to like be friendly. And like, I know the adults were too busy, like the adult actors, they were too busy for that. So you can see in the film that they're just kind of like, it's a lack of chemistry. I think that's what- They didn't have a lot of chemistry? Part. Yeah, I think that's what ruined the second part. Sure. Sounds like bad casting. I think that the story was never intended to be split up into the, the plot lines of the kids and then the plot lines of the adults. If you read it, those plot lines are intermingled, right? Yeah. So I think that's it's that the story suffered because not as much happens as they are adults, and so they they had to fill the second movie up with some stuff in order for it to be a a feature film length story. Well, well when, when the book is so long, it's hard to fit it into two and two two and a half hours because it's a what, yeah. thirteen hundred page book. That's hard. Yeah, they, it would have been great as like an HBO miniseries. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. And then like one episodes for the like kids, one episode for the adults, and it is a novel. Is yes, that that's my my awesome moment. But um, yeah. He's biased though. He's a Stephen King fan, so of course he's <laughs> I I am a little biased. But, no, um, not you, Daniel. I'm talking about Maza, but are you? You're a Stephen King. Oh, huge! Yeah. Like, like, the book is like. A rumination on memory and stuff like Stacy was talking about. It was never meant to be split up and seen as these like two halves because it's about remembering like trauma and remembering magic, all this, all of that stuff wrapped together. And so, like when the scene when they get together at like the as adults and they get together for the first time, like you know, Raul mentioned like it's like they didn't know each other and they didn't have any chance to get to know each other. But like the book did this whole thing where it's like layers and layers of like the years that they put between themselves like falling away slowly as they get to like it is a rediscovery they're rediscovering like so much every moment and there's just so much dread hanging over it but also like wonder and i i, I can't speak highly enough about it, but, um, i, I think wonder likes it I wonder how much of though, because you know, in the second part, the they're coming back as adults and like we're supposed to be getting this feel of they don't remember and they're slowly getting their memories back. And while I really enjoyed that, it still felt like they weren't like y'all were saying, they weren't ever really close knit. Like even after the part where the like they were coming together and working together and everything, it just didn't it just didn't hit right. I, I think a book of that size, like um, what Daniel was saying, I think it needs an HBO treatment. I think if you give it, like, dedicate three seasons, maybe four, like, something like that. Not necessarily a miniseries, but a, like a small kind of season intake. I think it would be perfect because you can tell the whole thing. You can gloss over what you literally legally can't put on TV, um, and you can make the whole thing work and not 
have to take anything out. You can do the flashbacks as adults. You can weave them all in together. I think it was beautiful. The structure of uh, the first season of Haunting the Hill, the Hill House season wasn't too far off of what the structure of an it, um, like a mini series or series would look like. Everybody yeah. calls the way they, they did that. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And sorry, Mazza, I have to disagree. I actually am going to hold the really, really rare, unpopular opinion that that scene, that it's missing the sewers. Right where it belongs. This one? Oh, the, oh, the. Yikes. Circle. I, I mean, I understand why people are uncomfortable with it. And it's not that I'm like not uncomfortable with it, but I also just like from a, from a technical writing perspective, I think it's like one of the most beautiful scenes he's ever written. Like, period. And like, I, I can't, it's just like, it's one of those like big messy masterpieces where it's I think the fact that he wrote that scene is like testament to just how entirely like 100% without like a shred of doubt in himself or like like how do I put this like there's so many things in that book the whole cosmic battle at the end with Pennywise I think it's brilliantly done and it takes a certain amount of just bullheaded bravery on the author's part to commit themselves so entirely to that that they don't even they're not even thinking about how people are going to react to this they're just like lost and i mean it's it's a rare special thing and i think that sewer scene that's so infamous is kind of like in a way like the foundation of that Uh, it's it's a if, if there's not that, if you doubted that, what else is about the book? Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's I popular, but... I understand where he was trying to go with it. I just personally think it could have been done differently. To me, yeah. it, 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 it read as them trying to defeat Pennywise by kind of losing their childhood innocence and kind of doing things. I think they could have taken that bully that Stephen King built up so much, and I think they could have, you know, beat him to death or killed him. I think that would have been an easier, simpler loss of innocence. I don't necessarily think they had to do that whole scene. It just, it, it was risky, it was nervy, yeah. um, but I don't, I, I wouldn't have done it. Like, like you were talking about, like, they had to get the spell of Pennywise off of them. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something about it to me where it's like, it's a horror novel, so like, maybe it's okay that it's a little bit horrifying. Maybe it's okay that there's like, that they had to engage in an act of love that kind of, it's so, it's so far removed from our our ordinary world by this point. But like, then again, so are they. Like, they just can't, they just like battle the cosmic, like, entity in a sewer, like the fate of their town and the fate of themselves. And just like by that point for me, like if you, like as lost as I am in the story and just the interweaving of like the adult, the children, all of that stuff, I can't help but think like, just like the rules don't apply to them anymore. Like you're not, like sure, nobody wants to think about having kids having sex. They're not really supposed to have sex. I mean, young adults, or not not, not young adults. Oh, you just ruined it for Raul. Right. <laughs> 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 I have 
haven't finished the book either, but I figured out when you guys were talking what was going on because I've heard about that from other people. I was like, no. I thought <laughs> but, but, wife dies. Um, That's what happens at the end. There's, I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> He's seen the movie. He knows yeah, Finn yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where I'm like, they're not supposed to really, like, kids aren't supposed to be in a sewer, like, like battling for the fate of their town on a cosmic level, like, engaging in all this horror, too. Like, and, but, like, they're not supposed to be doing that either. They're not supposed to be you having that. your childhood, Daniel? The only, the only thing that, that was a rite of passage. That was it. You never yeah. did it? It's kind of like if it was a if it was a night if it was a moment for them that like like I don't know I mean like it's what it was for them is like I'm I'm just gonna be like I roll with it you know what I mean I don't know how to say it otherwise it's like other than it being just weird and awkward and overly wrong to me the the, the thing that also <laughs> threw it off threw me off was like would kids really think like that you know what i mean i, I just don't see their mind going to that spot that's one of the big things too but I, I and i and i i hear you and i can like i can agree but like are they kids anymore really yeah, like, yeah. just like class put the memory of their childhood behind them it's it's like it's like the final gateway yeah. And like they all kind of walk through it together, and it's gross and it's icky, and like they don't like to think about it. Yeah. But like, but it's sort of like the final, like yeah. the closing of the circle. I don't know. I mean, it's the last thing. I mean, none of them are kids anymore, really, at that point. Yeah. Um, it's all been so much. And so, isn't I mean, that? Like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was just gonna say, say, isn't that why we read things? Like just to read about things that would never, I mean, right. do you want to read about things that would really happen? You know, yeah. it's like you're reading from someone's imagination and yeah. they're putting, you know, so I, I'm good with it going to a dark place. I, just, I get that because up to that point, you've you read so much unrealistic stuff that, that you bought into, you know, yeah. so, I mean, you know I, I understand what you're saying. And I think at the end of the day, it's like it is. It is a it's an immensely readable, entertaining book full of heart. But it also is like, on some level, that I don't think a lot of people give it credit for. Like it is a it is like a challenging work of fiction in its own way in terms of the ideas that it approaches. Hmm. Like it has these long like segues that just. And I mean, I'm sure some people would disagree with me, but. It has these long segues that just like, talk like intimately about racism and stuff yeah. like that, and like mm -hmm. small town evils and things. And um, I think I think like I think he approaches. I mean, from a like it's probably some of the best writing on racism I've ever read from a white dude. Yeah. Wow. This is from the opinion of a white dude, so take yeah. it worth like a grain of salt. But yeah. But like. There, there's one there's one scene like early on when like Mike Hanlon somewhere in the mix where like Mike Hanlon like, there's a kid in Mike Hanlon's class who's like so earnestly trying to explain to Mike Hanlon why the n-word isn't bad because his dad says it fondly referring to when a guy can take a punch and it is like so quietly heartbreaking because 
in my like because he doesn't like like there's like a positive connotation when his dad says it in this weird way and it's just like Mike Hamlin can't explain to him anything because of that like it's just like the, the divide is just like so wide and it's just he, he always finds a way to like look at things in a different way I mean just like kind of shred like shed a different kind of light on something and I'm not I'm not saying that like you know, he's by no means is he is like the defining writer of racism, like ever. Like he, he has really bad stuff out there. But um, when it comes to that, but like in any case, I think it is like challenging fiction, and I think that sewer scene is like the kind of the culmination of challenging fiction. Like, like it makes you think. Like yeah. we're talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, know? it's really interesting. Anyway, I talked too much. Have you? No, has everybody good. here? read it or at least started reading it? I listened to it, which probably made the whole thing worse. <laughs> like the whole story made it even scarier, you know? <laughs> that, I think it was Steven Weber, who's in the miniseries back in the day, uh, he nailed it. He was tremendous. Hmm. I haven't read it um, since I was really, really young, so I feel like I can't even remember it. I, it was one of those Stephen King books that I um, snuck out of my mom's, like Pet Cemetery and um, what other one? Cujo, Carrie. My mom had all this collection, and I used to sneak it and and read them just to scare the crap out of myself. But I think it, I read it then, but I don't have, I don't really remember. You know, I remember the miniseries though. That's a big technique. Gotta go back. To not that I think it's a book for kids, but just like my last thing on that scene, I do wonder how that book, how that scene hits the kids who read it, who are that age. Because I think if you're, if you get through the rest as a kid and you get to that scene, I mean, like, I almost kind of feel like for kids, they just be like, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. it's adults that don't want to think about kids in, in that compromising kind of scenario, but for kids, they're just like, yeah, we think about sex. We're curious about it. We, you know, we wonder about it. Like, uh, you know, um, I think especially nowadays, I, yeah, it would be any big deal at all. I was, yeah. Some of the stuff I hear my nephew say, I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it tells you anything, I have no traumatizing memory of it. Yeah, so that that's it's interesting. I, I feel like it's not. It wouldn't even be striking in the scope of like the whole entire book at that age. Like mm -hmm. the rest of this stuff would be more striking than that scene. I think. I, I don't know. But that it would be interesting to hear what people think. I mean, my first book of his was The Stand, and it fucked me up in a real bad way. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> now, now that motel room scene is something that I could have done without. Mm. Trash yeah. can man. We don't need it. Oh, yes. I've never read that. I, I I like that the first read through, but the second I just couldn't stand it. That that don't tell me, I'll tell you guy. He's just got to he. There's really no need for him. It was just like a waste. Of... He's not in the original version, right? Yeah. And and I'm gonna come out on the record for like the millionth time here because the original version is my all time favorite book ever 
and um, it's like 400 pages shorter, and it and it's like it's every bit as like narratively tight as Misery is, mm-hmm. like any of his like, Dead Zone Misery, those short, tight, just like straightforward, you know. In any case, the, the original book is markedly different and like significantly better, and I mean the uncut version is special wonderful but the the original is where it's at and I, I think it's a shame that most people don't get it i don't yeah. have that version i always wonder if the female characters read better because on the second read through the stand i just didn't think they were developed people at all i don't know what it was about the first one maybe i was just caught up in the you know magic well, here's a here's a little something and I'll, and I'll be really careful to keep this um, succinct, otherwise this could easily turn into like Daniel talks about Stephen King. <laughs> um, but it's funny that you mentioned the female characters because one of the most pivotal scenes of Fran's development and characterization is changed utterly in the mm. uncut version. So the scene where she buries her father. Uh. Um, early in the book, not, not a big spoiler, I mean like for anybody who hasn't read it. Um, in, the, in the uncut version, She's scared to bury him because he's he's like icky and dead and like his corpse parts when she tries to move it the first time, and it's it's like not a terrible scene, but and I and I get what he was going for because he was trying to like start her off as kind of like more immature and then show her maturation through it, but in the original version, there's some of his most beautiful writing. She's in shock down in the kitchen and she's like thinking of strawberries and sunbeams and she keeps. She, like it's a stream of conscious passage where she's in shock and she's thinking of basically like strawberries going bad in the heat and she's thinking of sunbeams and bible passages and stuff and it just it's this very like circular kind of st- stream of conscious just wordplay i mean it is beautiful so simple so understated and finally what her mind is trying to lead her to through her shock state is that day my dad's upstairs dead and he's going to start smelling bad very soon i need to do something but she's in such shock that it's just not like you know i mean it's not like it's such a natural progression to get her there and when she does make the decision to do it the passage where she buries him is so simple or when she changes him it's so simple she's like he would want to be buried in his military uniform therefore i do it's like what he affords for his dignity changes him it's just this like simple beautiful little scene where she just like pays her father his respects buries him and the uncut version is like now his corpse is farting and gross and like you know what i mean it's just so totally different and it changes france character so much so unnecessarily like who she is from the get-go like she's just so practical and like earnest and it's the same way she approaches, you know, Stu Redman later. It's that same practicality. She's like, it's not like passionate love right out the gate necessarily. It's just, you know, I mean, I, there's just so much about that book that's special. And the uncut version just kind of undermines a lot of the things that I consider most special. And I'm going to stop talking for a long time now. <laughs> no, that's good. We're gonna have to do a Stephen King for one of our books of the month next year. Uh, Mazda has a book club. All has to do all oh, books. that's right. Yeah. yeah, we're reading Christine this month, which is really cool. I've been peer pressured into doing a lot of things by this. I haven't read Christine. About Christine, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about it. 
I'm changing the title of this video. Hold on. Daniel never sets up about Steven. All I know from the cover, it has something to do with the card. It does. Good companion reading with from a view at gate. Did anybody read this at a young age by any chance? Not young. Not young? I saw the movie at a young age, but I never read the book. I, I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Or, I uh, listened to it a couple of years ago. My first Stephen King was Cell, so it was like just enough. I'm pretty sure I was like 15, 16 years old, and my mom's neighbor at the time gave it to me like, oh yeah, here you go. Here's Stephen King, and I'm, what I say, like 16 years old that sheltered I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Stephen King's fine. And then I read his other stuff. I was like, oh, okay. It's pretty intense. That's the only one I haven't read, actually. It's really good. I liked it. It's not, It's it kind of is more like uh, Maximum Over Overdrive. Is yeah. that the name of that movie? Yeah. It, it's got that same tone. The best provider for me was the um, migratory habits. I think that's the word of the cell zombies or whatever. So how they move like a flock. I found that very, very fascinating. That was really mm-hmm. well written. I think that was what it was one of the things that was the scariest for me is reading that because like I heard about zombies before, like I get it, but knowing that they were a hive mind in that book. I, I didn't touch a cell phone or a phone for that matter for a hot minute after reading that book. I don't know what that is. I would watch that. I know you would. It sounds like a good follow up to the marsupial werewolves that I was talking about. <laughs> that sounds like a good rainy day popcorn movie that you just laughed at in the school bed. That sounds perfect. Yeah, I think, that's so true. I think Leslie made the made the comment about uh, like Sherlock being the seasons, each episode being a whole oh, movie. Yeah. That would have been really good for something like it. Yeah, every episode is like a movie. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So Matsa talked about the recent miniseries for The Stand. Um, I think it's on CBS. Has anybody watched that? I have not. I haven't either. I'm I'm still so so traumatized by their adaptation of the dome that I just can't. (laughs) Yes, that was awful. (laughs) That was horrid. I didn't care for that. That was one of probably my least favorite Stephen King's. I really liked the first half, but the second half, I just felt like it went in a really weird direction. And then watching this this miniseries, I'm like. Yeah, I'm, I've had enough after about three season, three episodes in. I mean, there's there's getting it wrong, and then there's making getting it wrong in art, and they <laughs> it. it was it was really well done in that respect. Has anybody tried the new VC story that just start that just dropped? The first episode on Apple TV. Uh uh-uh. uh He wrote it himself. He had a, like a Thanos moment. He was like, "I'll do it myself." <laughs> I heard it's water because of it, though. Everything I hear is that it's 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 tight and it's accurate. Cool. I'm in. I mean, like, I think Flanagan should adapt everything that, like, like 
Flanagan or King, like uh, Doctor Doctor Sleep, the movie was. I liked it better than the book, probably. And I, that's that's a rare rare thing. To yeah. say. Like, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Like, why why adapt something if you aren't even going to try and get it close? Like, to go back to Under the Dome, they they took like a couple of things and they just ran with it, and it wasn't even the story. It's like, why why bother? Yeah. I never touched I never touched that show because I didn't like the book that much either, Stacy. To be honest, they let me down. Sorry, Maza. They did. Maza, that's your favorite. I love the book too. It's so good. Okay, so, like I said, the first half because Stephen King does a great job of making human villains, yeah. and that you just hate. And he in that book he did a really good job. But then like the second half of the book, it's like went into this weird, like kind of like it. You know, the first half of the book it is just a scary thing, right? And then it starts turning into this like cosmic. Which I didn't have a problem with, but under the dome, I just—I guess I wasn't in the right headspace for it at the time because I just. It, for me, it's one of the few books by him that actually managed to scare me, irritate me, <laughs> make me laugh. I mean, it, it really it, people always say say that he, he writes scary stuff, and I, I don't really find it that be the case. I, I usually think it's more interesting and entertaining, but this one because it was so real and it's so plausible and we've seen that you know with the coronavirus and people act this well, way yeah. it just it was it really really well done you know for me i think right. Stephen king's one of those authors where you read him and you're like people like no real people wouldn't act like this but in like reality people would act like this yeah. uh i recently read misery and it's like you guys know the story right like, about like Annie and Paul Sheldon. That's the name, right? Paul Sheldon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, who would do this? But in reality, if a super fan got a hold of whatever, like, there's some weird people out there. They would keep them captive. Yeah. And like, it's like, I didn't like how you did this and fix this. So I'm like, I was reading it. I was like, yo, this is some realistic shit right here. Like, this could happen right now in the age oh, of like the super fan. It is so crazy. Yeah. So I think Stephen King is one of those authors where he, uh, I maybe back then, like when the, the time when this book was like written, it didn't seem very realistic that it could happen. But like now in this new age, I feel like a lot of those things could happen. And even though he's a hit and miss because he misses a lot, in my opinion, yeah. I'm not like not gonna shit on him. I'm not gonna shit on Joe Hill either. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get us started. I feel like. A lot of it is like fan love, you know. I feel like a lot of his fans like love him, so it's like it's like an artist, like a musical artist, where you're like, yeah, this song is shitty, but like I like you as an artist, so I'll still vibe with it, kind of thing, you know. Because a lot of his adaptions, um, adaptations are not even that good either. I loved it. Oh, you talking yeah. about Castle? Oh, that's what I was gonna ask you guys. I I really enjoyed that. He's talking talking about um. Sorry, um, talking about misery. Yeah. The, but I mean, I think misery, you know, it's a great metaphor for like alcoholism, like, like the whole thing. Like, I mean, there's like a, there's a metaphorical level of the book and stuff too. That's great. But then what I love about misery the most is that it's just like, it's a book about like 
what writing is and like it's like a, it's like an instruction manual for like writing um and for accepting like who you are as a writer and stuff like that all, all those things are mixed in and so i thought it was another thing where like his inclusion of the story like misery's return like actually writing pieces of that story like illustrate this point and and kind of bring that together um i just uh, it's just like something that nobody else can do he did a similar thing with Bag of Bones, too, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Bag Which, of Bones? Yeah. yeah, sorry. It added so much depth to that, so much more emotional depth. Whereas on the flip side, with Misery, it added more tension. It's just yeah. really well done. Like, Misery is kind of about, like, finding yourself in writing and like being like being okay like um like getting by getting through the hard stuff because of writing whereas bag of bones sort of turns that on its head and is like writing is a waste of time <laughs> kind of it's like it passes the time and it distracts you from the important things and so they're sort of like opposite sides of the same point they both explore writing but they both have like very different stances on it bag of bones is a little bit more bleak um yeah, but they're like they're wonderful. I mean, they're like companion novels. <clears throat> doing it again. There's so many I haven't read. Yeah, I really do doing that read along with Matza and everybody. Give me, give me, because you guys are starting at the beginning. Are you reading everything chronologically for Stephen King? Are you asking me? Well, you're reading with them, aren't you? Oh. Um, <laughs> tried other like some of his other shorter like kind of shorter like older stuff like salem's lot or i, other I highly recommend dolores claiborne that is perfect you gotta when it comes to like book recommendations like i stay on like you guys know this on the self-publishing side of things but um for that buddy read series i was like maza i what do you like? And obviously he said Stephen King. I was like, all right, bro, keep it under like 450 pages. Like, don't go too crazy. And he recommended uh, The Gunslinger because Western, he's like, you'll like this kind of thing. Uh, Christine and uh, Misery. Those are the books he recommended for me. But it's because Stephen King, his books are so long and then I have so many things to read. Not all of them. Like, if I can find a short one, I'll read it. It take long. So, The Mist is only 230 pages. That's short. It's really That's good. a good movie, too. So, I haven't I read that book, but this. the movie, man, the ending to that movie, Riddle. that was, like, the worst. I mean, in a good way. That was a really good like, movie. <laughs> Steve loves that movie. I love the ending. <laughs> Steve loves the end of that movie. 
It's heartbreaking. It is so like the, my worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. It's so just, mean. Just you just waited a little bit longer. A little bit longer. A little bit. Let's change that. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Damn. Quick question. Just like, would you rather risk it for the biscuit, or would you rather get shot in the face? Or like shot. <laughs> like I, here's my thing, right? If I go out in the mist, I might get killed. You know, like you know, we're not sure yet. <laughs> but like, if I'm in a car with someone with a gun, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking do it. Like, what do you guys say? Well, it's a stupid question, but would you rather risk it, like chilling out there? It depends like, on who the biscuit is. The biscuit is getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> so would you rather risk it? I, I think I'd I'm rather get stress. killed by a biscuit. Yeah, I I feel like it would be more like I the anticipation of getting shot is just like too much, honestly. Like I know that you're gonna shoot me and it's gonna happen and it's gonna I'm pretty sure I don't know how it feels like to get shot. You're gonna I mean in, like, in that scenario I'm sorry. No 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 go ahead. In, in in that scenario, your odds of dying are so high. You might as well just go for it and see what happens. In saying that, though, if it were real life, I'd be hiding in a ditch somewhere, just waiting for it all to. Right. <laughs> I would just like chill it out. Like, yeah. I, I, as long as it's nothing stupid killing me. Right. Or like, okay, it's a big serpent. We're good. That was deserved. But it's like the little like spider. I'm gonna be so right. Imagine really surviving. Yeah. Imagine okay. surviving all of that just to get like Lyme disease from a tick or something. Right. Nobody saw it. You saw it. I did. I didn't like it. Did I see that with you? By, like, this, like, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Cabin in the woods. It's fun. It is amazing. I love I and it's so stupid because when I watched it with people, they were all disappointed. They're like, oh I thought it was gonna be like these flashes though. I was like, no, this is way bigger. I'm like, you don't you don't like the extra stuff? It's so much better. Like I think I'm like you you just saw the title and assumed this is not bad. I'm saying hi to Dawn. Your sister's so fun. Isn't she beautiful? Yes. I have to respond to what Maza said earlier about his wife and roping his wife into doing things. Yes, his wife's so supportive. That's. <laughs> he, doing good I work. was like, I will never get it on camera. Here I am. I will never ride a bike. I'll never, I ride a bike. I'll never ride, I'll never read Chasing Graves. I read Chasing Graves and I liked it. He makes me read all this stuff and. Most of the time, I like it. Most of the time. <laughs> there was one or two. Malice. <laughs> I did not finish Malice. But everything else, I pretty much, um, which one was it? The Blade itself, I had a hard time with. But once I got through that, yeah. the rest were Kings great. Kings of Paradise. Uh, Kings of Paradise, are, the, the whole Ash and Sand, my favorite books this year. And I've read like, what, 60 books this year almost? I'm, I'm gonna go on record. I'm gonna go on record and say this and it's gonna be unpopular. Ash and Sand is better than First Law. Oh. Okay, easily, first, easily. Come at me. Yeah, seriously. Don't Do you have King's Paradise right there? Do you Sorry. have King's Paradise? 
Read the well, first okay. paragraph to us. I have to say book. though, <laughs> and 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 Richard would probably say this too. He gets you with that, but it doesn't stay that way. I still want people to hear it. Read the paragraph. <laughs> no. I want you to say it. No. I don't Wait, have it let me. everybody read it. But the, he gets you in the first. The, the, everybody that reads it blind needs to experience that. That's yeah, true. That's true. Because it does happen in the very beginning of the book, but I would I went in blind and. And that's the best way to do do it with these. I was shocked. I was like, <gasps> what? I know. I, I told Steve, I was like, what are you having me read? I'm not even kidding. I was scared. I said, should I read this at night? I don't know if I should read this at night. There is hope. But I'm telling you, they are my favorite books right now. Ash and Sand in August. Read along. Yeah. Yeah, that second one. They're so good. You start in August, so. They're so good. And he is one of those that he's like, he doesn't care, like, you can tell he doesn't care if he's gonna offend anyone. He doesn't care what the formula is. It's just, it's just good. It's you can't predict what's gonna happen. Shit goes down. Yeah, shit yep. goes. Sounds down. like another author I know. Yeah. Talking Sorry about, about Daniel. Daniel. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Daniel. I can't wait to read those. I'm excited to read them next oh, week. Did you just kill this person? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm so, I'm, oh, we'll get into that later. I'm I have to get. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Or are you still oh. waiting? Have you started? Yeah, so the thing is, when I read books, you've seen my blogs when it comes to, like, reviewing things. They're, like, pretty much, like, inspired by a certain movie. And since Nightmare is on the, like, the title of the book. Yeah, so you guys, it's going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street inspired, but it's, like, (laughs) filming-wise, it's, like, obviously has to be at night, and it's, like, a whole ordeal. But, yeah, I'm reading it. I'm mad about Musty, my dude, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> you know, you I don't want to hear. I don't want to know anything. No, you don't. Yeah. Spoiling. You didn't Read it yourself. Not more spoilers on um, Nightmare. Okay. Night Fall. Yeah. No spoilers. I know. I'm getting <laughs> next week. Yeah. So, oh, uh, Stacy, because we're talking about self-publishing, right? Like the retro now. I was watching your chat with Daniel yesterday because you know I'm trying to like not take notes but like see what you already asked so we can go a different route uh but you were talking about like how self-publishing like when you were like would hear that word you would think like oh you couldn't get signed or like yeah like you, you mentioned that do you, do you mind saying that in your own words before I bring it up me or was it something Stacy said it, it was it was Stacy she said uh she was talking about self-publishing <coughs> We're gonna yeah, that's how I used to think. So emotional about musty. I know. <clears throat> Are you okay? Stacy's got the allergies. <clears throat> allergies. I got allergies bad. really bad. I was like, I was there for two whole months. And now my eyes are watering. <laughs> I'm allergic to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's Steve. It's allergic to spoilers. <laughs> yeah. See, are you, Raul. Are you, are you ready, Stacy? <clears throat> Me? Yes. Oh, I was asking you, do you, do you mind repeating what you said about I can barely hear you, so you got to speak up. I said, do you remember what you said about self-publishing? Oh, yes. Yes. So I was saying that I used to think that um, a person who was self-published is somebody, like you, say, you said earlier, that just couldn't hack it in the publishing world. But I don't think that way at all anymore, because I have read some of the best books that I've ever read because I'm reading self-published books. 
and I think it's really a choice the author makes, not because they can't, but because there are limits to publishing um, mm -hmm. that you don't have when you self-publish. You can kind of do your own thing. You don't have somebody telling you what will and will not sell. Um, and I think it, I think it's a brave choice. And I honestly, now I, <clears throat> I prefer self-published works over um, traditionally published because it, there's so, that unpredictability to it because they, they can really do whatever they want to a certain extent. I mean, you still want to sell your book. You still want people to read it, but I love it. You can really tell, like I read a lot of both and I know when the first kiss of a romance novel is going to happen, like Richard was saying last time, you, I know because it happens about 40% into the book and it's like, you, you know, the formula. And I really feel like I love reading self-published books because they don't have that formula and they just don't have those rules. So yeah, just, I want to just thank Daniel really quick before we, since we're on the subject is that we're having an indie panel on the 20th. Oh, cool. And he agreed to come on and chat. Yay. So I want to just thank you, thank Daniel, you. for agreeing to Thank come you on. for having me. I yeah. mean, I, That's going to be thank great. Thank you for inviting me today. It's a lot of fun chatting both. It is people. open to anybody. And I really appreciate both you and JB joining us along with Ashley Rowell and Steve. I'm not saying we have to log off now, but I just want to make sure that I tell you all how grateful I am that you're here to chat with us. And those of you who are, <clears throat> geez, Louise, <clears throat> who are watching, um, Maza, next time, join us on screen. I don't know why you're not here. Yeah. I know. I, I just want to track back a little bit to The Mist. Is <laughs> I would probably want to keep going, but when I saw the spiders and the eggs and that whole thing, I think you might want to consider <laughs> not keep, not, not, you know. Is Do it you think you can take them? The spiders? Have, no. Yeah. So don't risk it for the biscuit for the spider because of the spider. Really? After I saw the spiders, that would mess me up. I would. <laughs> I make honestly, you kill spiders all the time for not me. giant spiders. Yeah, that, yeah like, but you're the spider killer here. What? That, that spider killed me. I Leslie, are you still there? Leslie. I have to say about spiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. She must not be here. I don't know if she's here. Yeah, she might have You've gotten some caps locked by now. <clears throat> and that's why I love the ending of the mist is that they really went for it. Like they just Yeah. They, 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 I don't want to spoil the book for anybody, but I mean you can look at that ending, take it like a number of ways for the movie makers to go that route. They you know they they saw a, a teed up ball and they just smacked the crap out of it. <laughs> went all around with it because they they could have went that sweet oh we've been through hell and back and now we're we're fine or they could have just been brutal about it. <laughs> they didn't wimp out. They they went the brutal route. I mean I don't think they would make that choice a lot of the times now. I think they would have gone for the happier. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's sell a few DVDs, kind of ending. It's because everybody nowadays wants a happy ending with everything. Yeah, I don't know that. I, maybe that's just me when I see things. When I come, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't want, like the main Not me. <laughs> the oh, main character dies at the end, or like something happens. I'm just okay with it. I'm like, okay, that's just how the story is. Yeah, nothing has to be happy all the time, you know. I don't mind a happy ending as long as it makes sense. If it feels, yeah. it, it it can't be forced. I mean, it has to work 100% or you 
just shouldn't have done it. Because a lot of these characters are like like wounded like really really bad and they survived. I'm like really, half of your body is gone and you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, roll it like call it a day, my dude. Close your eyes. Like seriously. Like, like I am legend. That's what they did in the movie with I am legend. Wow. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't even know anything about that. I don't want to talk about it. For me, I want to bring up a I what I think was is kind of an unpopular film. Is Matrix Three just because I, I people kind of crap on it, but I think the way that went for the two main that that was perfect because it wasn't a happy ending. It was kind of bittersweet. Oh, that, that, that's how you do it for me. Even though my favorite my favorite character died, which took me a little bit to get over. Um, but yeah, that's that's how you do an ending. JB, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but the Matrix Four is coming. Yeah, and your favorite character may be back. Yeah, oh, I don't know how that's gonna happen. But I don't know how they're I don't know how they're gonna work that out. I'm, I'm very I'm curious. My my favorite character. I I think it's been out long enough, so it won't be a spoiler. But Trinity is who I was talking about. Um, Neo Neo I, I I get because there's that little tease with the Oracle, where that little girl asks if they'll see him again, and her answer you know kind of set it up. But with Trinity, I am very curious to see how they bring her back because that doesn't make any sense. Thank you for coming, Maza. You gotta join us next time, Maza. Good job on the Stephen King. Yeah, I'm seriously considering. Ju- July 3rd. I can send you the link, uh, Daniel, the one that he told me to send. Yeah, she, she's over to me. My dog never wants more attention than when I'm on, when I'm on one of these cats. <laughs> Always, without failure, wants attention. It's the same thing with Mazza. Like, he's, at the same time, he's texting me. At the same time, he's on chat. <laughs> he goes, tell him about this book. Tell him about this book. <laughs> We have played oh, a couple times together, and I, I can attest to that. Model, he's a multitasker. He's a multitasker, too. We can be playing, just chilling, and he's on Twitter, too. Or he's doing something else. Yeah, I'm just petting my dog. and. <laughs> but nothing, nothing crazy, nothing crazy. Am I the only one who doesn't have a dog? Yeah, I have one, but he's he's asleep. He's just chilling. Yeah. I have five. You have a dog? Yeah, five. Oh, yeah. Her dog was just on. Yeah, we saw her dog. What kind of dog is your dog, Ashley? I think she might have froze. I think she, oh, froze. she froze. Shoot. That was an or important question. Or she's really question. good at, like, standing still. <laughs> she's a good she's like, Either that or she's, you know, really good at sitting still. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there she is. There she is. I don't know what happened. I have no idea. He's a Belgian Malinois. He doesn't really oh. listen to me I right now. It. I was going to say, I think uh, he's a Belgian Malinois. I don't Belgian know if I can Malinois. do this. So cute. Come here. Come on. I'm the only sad person. We have one. Our neighbor has a bunch of them. He's my service dog. Oh, he's so cute. He's smart. We have a German Shepherd who's afraid of his shadow. I know. He was a shelter dog, though, and I think he was severely abused. He was in the shelter for nine months, and we adopted him, and he was. It took him about a year for me to even yeah. to pet him. You know, yeah. Let me pet him. But right away, he he like protected me right away. But he's I love our German Shepherd. He's like he's really my little protector. Mine's a thirteen-year-old Chihuahua Terrier mix. 
Oh, I used to have a Chihuahua. I love Me chihuahua. too. He's the creepiest. He, if if I would have got to have named him, I would have named him something <laughs> like a chicken. But I, I got him from an older lady. She got Alzheimer's, so she couldn't take him anymore. Uh, take care of him. Um, his his name is Chico. Uh, oh, that's a cute name. Um, yeah, he, he scares himself eating. Like he'll he'll get a crunch of food and he'll jump a foot in the air. I'm like, dude, just chill. <laughs> We have a 15, almost 15 year old Shih Tzu that we got for our son when he was two. And he is, oh, he's the naughtiest dog we have still. Like the neediest, naughtiest, the tiniest. Biggest asshole. Rat. Yeah. (laughs) My mom got one of those when we, I think I was about 16 or 17. One of her older friends couldn't take care of a dog, which is a theme because that's how I got my dog. Was one of her friends, mom actually. Um, but this dog, it was fifteen, just just like your. It was had the crookedest teeth, and it yeah. was so mean. It would bite my tooth and just slide right off. <clears throat> he has no teeth left. He <laughs> wants to fight with every. I mean, he's been through a lot of dogs because he's outlived a lot of our dogs. And um, he hates everybody. He hates me. I hated that dog with a passion. He was the biggest (laughs) asshole. But he made me laugh because he would bite you and it would not hurt. It doesn't hurt, yeah. He he really wanted to hurt you, too. Yeah. You knew that he he knew he wasn't hurting you. It just made him matter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's like our dog. He has one tooth left, probably. I have to make him chicken and rice because he's so... One tooth, poor thing. But we have five dogs. We have two pugs, a husky. Oh, we have a bulldog. Oh yeah, one of our pugs is a mix with an English bulldog, and then we have a husky that we we rescued and a German Shepherd that we rescued. And we figured the Shih Tzu, he's so old, you know, he just he does lay around a lot, but he's the biggest jerk. He hates them all, and he just wants to fight with them all the time. So we have to save his life on a daily basis. He goes after every single one of these dogs. Like he's gonna kill him, and they don't know he just has one tooth. But <laughs> it's like a constant battle of saving. His name is Nash. We save Nash's life every day. <laughs> every time I hear the name Shih Tzu, I think of that line from Dumb and Dumber. The, the bullshit. <laughs> the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. A that line is delivered perfectly. <laughs> yeah. They're crazy. I just want to say. Um, if we ever had a contest to see whose dog is the biggest asshole, I'd have to say mine. Like he, I, I spent so much money on his training and like, he's the best service dog. But once I take that vest off, he's in the trash. He's pooping on people's bushes and he's like eating diapers. I don't get it. I don't get it. I have a neighbor who has a, a service dog, and that's how hers is. But she's she's sneaky about it. Like I was walking my dog, and and called this lady's service dog ripping like somebody's welcome mat up. And as soon as it saw me looking at it, it stopped and sat sat back. As soon as I turned my back, it went to town on it again. <laughs> I would look over my shoulder, it would stop and just like sit. 
that was the funniest thing, but they are they they can't be assholes. That's How my problem with though, him. That they just he like, so... do that when they take the vest off. Yeah, he's so smart. Okay, so he's two. Like he just turned two. He's so smart that we've had to put a lock on the trash can because he can flip it with his nose. Like, and the right. same thing, we have to keep the door shut to the bathrooms because he'll flip the lid on that. Like, it'll be completely closed. He'll flip the lid and start drinking out of the toilet. Wow. <laughs> my, my dog well, is an angel indoors, except for barking it, but outdoors he's a menace. <laughs> he's, a, he's a hunter. Is yours a, a cross of a German Shepherd or? Uh, yeah, he's got some German for sure. It was a rescue, so we don't know, yeah. if, like, or I don't know the whole mix. Um, Airedale, he's got the whiskers of an Airedale, and I think there's probably a little like blue bugler or something based off. He's got kind of like those little markings on his chest, or a white chest. With some, like, he reminds me of my little German Shepherd rescue. He's a handsome boy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna wake mine up and show you because I had to. You gotta. Do you gonna go wake up? He won't, he won't leave you alone after you wake him up, though. <laughs> if he's like, like a cat, he'll be telling me about your dog, but like my dog is nothing like that. She's she's still asleep. What kind of dog so, do you have, Raul? Two, well, I have. Oh, look at that. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Do it again, JV. I was blinking. Look at that face. He has a bow tie and a, a jacket. Oh, that's Chico? Yeah. He's not so yeah. Chico. He's medium. Not so Chico. <laughs> medium. He looks Chico. So Estrella is a Chihuahua, right? Yeah, she's a star. Yeah, for you, you guys. It's the same thing. Uh, she's a Chihuahua. She's very like, she sits like this all the time. Kind of looks around. And I'm chilling. She always likes to. There's this, this like joke that we have in the house. Like when I bring out the Kindle, like and open it, she just always automatically wants to be like on me. I'm like, bro. I'm like, I'm trying to read. That's like, how my it, pugs anytime, are. Anytime I just open it up, you can see her just like. I was like, it, I think she thinks because in the beginning, I would lay her on my lap while I read. She probably thought like, oh, it's time to go chill. But since then, I just can't get her off me. But yeah. That's how my pugs. They're conditioned. Like when I open a book or get my Kindle, they jump on my lap. They're like, it's time to go, you know, it's time to yeah. go. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's snuggle time. <laughs> I wish that was the case for me. My dog just licks my books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really don't understand. Yeah. Thank you. And then if if I'm if I'm sitting there and I've been reading a book for a while, he'll be like, Okay, it's time to get up. Like you need to get moving. He'll like <laughs> knock the book out of my hand. I'm like, You asshole. Who gave you the light? What's his name, Ashley? Rex. Rex. Yeah. He really reminds me of a Velociraptor, but. Oh. <laughs> and Daniel, what's your dog's name? It's Hal. H A L. Uh, he needs to be spooned like an hour and a half each day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Even, that. <laughs> even when it was, it was like. We don't have it, or I don't have it. Me and him, like we don't have air conditioning, um, and it was like a heat wave there for a bit, so it was still like eighty out. It was still like eighty outside at like eleven o'clock at night, and oh god, like, the horror was not much better. <laughs> but this dude over here still needed to be spooned. He was like, <laughs> like forty-five minutes, 
like <laughs> full spoon on the couch and like stick it to the couch, but he's like, all right, I'm, I'm good now. Such you hear a, that? So Cal likes to be spooned. That's the temperature. Mine, mine acts like a cat. He just comes to me when he wants to be petted. He gets his food and he just screws off. <laughs> See, that's nice. We have five and they're all clingy. So. Yeah. I'm so like a big backyard? Yeah. We, we have about half an acre? Yeah, we have a, a big yard. Well, we have. We have two, pro- we have like two, two properties next to each other, so we then we knock down the fences between the two of them, and so we combine the backyards. Awesome. In your state, is it expensive? No. It's not expensive to live in your no. state? They don't live in Texas. No. We live in New we Mexico. We live next door, yeah. Yeah. But I want to relocate. What? You don't he wants to, to move. move. <laughs> I would like to move. I'm glad mine isn't clingy. His breath... Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. His, his owner toothless dogs. I don't know if like his breed or if his owner didn't get his teeth cleaned en- enough, but my it could wake the dead. <laughs> it's bad. And can I, it wake I, a sleepwalker? I have got him food design, treats designed to clean teeth, and I've got his teeth cleaned. It didn't do a damn thing. <laughs> That's awful. My daughter brushes their teeth. But it's like beef flavored toothpaste oh. that they, that you buy for dogs, so it doesn't smell any better. Yeah, that should make it worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I have some, but I I never use it. Mine's so nervous he'd kill over if I tried to brush his teeth, so I just get him food and stuff. Aww. He's a good dog. He just he, he makes me feel bad because he's so twitchy. It's like. You, you've been here almost two years. I think you can relax now. <laughs> That's chihuahuas for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, like, are you talking about when they shake? Yeah. yeah. But he, he jumps at everything. He, he he takes it to like another level. He jumps at literally everything. I had to change my ringtone. I had to change oh. the cough because I guess I coughed a little loud or something. Because he would fly out of the room. I mean, you would think I'd like screamed at him or something. So... Yeah, it's, it always creeps me out because when she's like, she's like very cute looking thing, and but if like somebody like another dog comes inside the house because we have a couple outside, and she has this weird like, it, she reminds me of Pennywise because her mouth just goes like really like big and like her teeth and it looks so <laughs> gross. I was like, are you the same dog? I I'll record her one time when she does it because like she does it a lot when like another dog comes in. And it's like the creepiest thing. I'm like, dude, you're so cute. And then you just like go from like one, like from zero to 100. It's the craziest thing. What's her name, Ralph? Oh, it's Estrella. Okay. Estrella. Yeah, it's like a star. I thought you said Australia. I was like, (laughs) star. Star, yes. Uh That's what I call it. In my family, we call that. When they smile, we call that, I'm smiling, but I'll bite you. (laughs) (laughs) None of my dogs have ever, like, bite me out. Like, I hope they don't because, you know, I know that shit hurts. But it's, like, (laughs) it's so creepy. Like, you look at them like, wow, you're actually this. Like, this is you. (laughs) Like, you're all cute and stuff. But, like, I know you can, like, 
Like, yeah, I know you can hurt me if you really wanted to, but. <laughs> kind of creepy. Mine, mine will, I don't know why, but he'll, he'll just like move right in front of me and he will just stare at me. He just, he'll just keep staring. He doesn't have to go out. Something human. Oh, I tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, make me kind of creepy. Hey, JB, they're blaming you for the lawnmower. Was that you? For the what? The lawnmower. Do you remember that? We were playing. Sorry, guys. We were playing Fortnite, and somebody had their lawnmower the whole time running. Uh, no. Was that not you? No. They said it was either me or you, and I was like, boy, does it look. The only thing I could think of is, for some reason, when I do audio, I don't know if it's the case right now, but there'd be like a low background hum, like that. That's in some of my YouTube videos, but I don't think it was me. Um, where I live, somebody does the lawnmowers. Yeah, so I don't have to do it. <laughs> do you, you play like Fortnite, well? I'm sorry. You play Fortnite. Mazda like bullied me into it. He's a. <laughs> I'm telling you. You're guys, saying that because he's not here to hear you say that. You know what? Well, I was talking. He. Yeah, I'm like, let me ask him if he's still here. My he's son's always looking for people to play Fortnite with. We, I, I know. I'm like, I just started playing this week, and uh, yeah, Mazda has like his own like situation, like on oh, the Discord. Cool. If you guys want, I can send you the link. He's always looking for. Yeah. People to play with. Also, I have never played with someone who who gets. Visibly scared over audio, like while playing Fortnite. It's fun playing with them. Yeah, we just kind of like. That's well, cool. initially it was more like the planning things out because you know, like, you know, it's fun. But uh, Maza's very like, he needs to know the time, the day, like with who, like. So, anyways, um, yeah, initially it was just like. Because uh, we're having that book discussion with JB on Unplugged. And I was like, oh, Mug, like, do you, like, you start playing with him, like, on Fortnite? He's like, he goes, yeah, I joined so you can, like, get to know him a little bit. Because, like, this is perfect because I'm meeting Danny right now. And it's perfect because I'm meeting Virginia ahead of our author chat, Steve. Where it's like, we have that issue where people get very nervous. And it's kind of like awkward. <laughs> so it's like it's great to meet each other in a more comfort, like more comfortable setting. So that's like that's. So you play Fortnite. Who JV? JV plays Fortnite yeah. too. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I that's I, cool. I go about fifty fifty between Call of Duty and Fortnite. So I, I'm usually on there. I think that's what we're doing next, right? Call of Duty. I've been real stuck on Doom Eternal lately. Which one? Doom, Doom. Eternal. Oh. <laughs> 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 My brother's always told me to like to get it. I'm like, oh. It's so much I fun. Really it's so much fun. I, I didn't even think I was gonna love it like the way that I did, and like it's, I loved it. Honestly, when it comes to games, like it's always for me it's like a mixed bag of like. Of like the cover looks good, like the gameplay looks great. Like once you're actually there, you're like, oh, this shit sucks. I can't handle jump scares in games anymore. And Doom, man, they're chock full of them. The first one, you think, right? Doom Eternal is the newest one, and it's just like balls to the wall action. Like you're just like an unstoppable killing machine. I think I'm thinking of the one that came out before that. It came out like a fancy kind of steel sort of case. Um, uh, back in like 2000 and 
four? something. There yeah. was Dune three was they, they they went scary with one of them, and then yeah. software re redid it. So Doom two thousand sixteen went back to the roots where it's like right. it had atmosphere, and I actually never even finished it, but like it had like it had like hellish atmosphere, but like you're you're the badass, like right. you know. You're the boss, <laughs> like kind of thing, and then Doom Eternal just took it to like eleven out of ten, where you're just us. Do you guys ever play Fear? I'm like aging myself. I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't remember. I know, I know you. I'm trying. I'm looking. I'm trying to remember. It came out. That was a good game, like 2002. 2005. Yeah, I. Uh, I started it because it looked really cool. The gameplay was really neat, and I couldn't finish it. It scared the Jesus out of me. The All the jump scares, like every time you'd go to turn, I'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> I feel the same way about uh, Silent Hill. That, that video, mm -hmm. my gosh. Silent Hill 2 really just. I would play it, and I couldn't do it. And then my sister. She she wanted to play it and because she was scared. She made me watch her play like that was gonna help, and I was <laughs> scared watching her. It, it would just be a fear fest, but it was, you know, kind of fun. <laughs> those games I, are those games are dark. Like mm -hmm. not just like dark. <laughs> oh, I mean, like they get like 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 some of the background stuff like the doorkeeper and pyramid head and stuff they're not just like cool monster mascots they're like legitimately like it's like horde, cosmic horde straight up like psychologically yeah, like it's it's, like, it's not a game to play when you're a kid you need therapy Silent Hill 2 especially it's hard um, yeah there's a lot of I, I don't know. I, I played a lot of games this last year. I sucked at Sonic. Steve, I'm going to DM you that uh, Fortnite link, okay? Okay. Or like the channel link. The only thing I play ever, really, and over and over again is Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Oh, I love that game. Over and over. I've started it over, like, and every time I play it, something different happens. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about it. I, I have, yeah. I have uh, went deep in it two different times, I think over 80 to 100 hours of gameplay, and yeah. not, neither run-through was anything uh, uh, even yeah, similar to each other. Yeah, that's so different. If, if you make different choices and stuff. But I'm just waiting for the next one, because I could start over again, I guess. I think but... it's a pre-order for... I think it's a pre-order out for one... Is it? For the yeah, six? I think so. Yeah. I'm yeah. waiting. I don't know. I, I have been reading a lot, so I haven't been paying attention, so... I got real into Oblivion when I was younger. Yeah, I bought I it, but I haven't played it yet. Oblivion. I didn't. I did I actually. I kind of resisted Skyrim because I knew it was gonna like be a lot at the time. It's, it's one of those games. It, it's so good. Yeah. So good. If you get it, you're you're gonna only have to play that one because it's yeah. so many hours. Yeah. It's good though. I had a couple games like. Yeah, for sure. The, the like, Persona Five Royal, like I got into that last year. The music, oh my gosh, so, so much fun, so good. But um, the last one, anybody? 
What do I play? Yeah, you play any video games? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I was playing Fallout 76, and then I saw, um, I, w I was playing, what's that one, Animal Crossing, and I got bored with it, and then I started playing Stardew Valley, so I'm kind of switching between consoles right now, but my all-time favorite is probably Skyrim and Yay. Fallout, any of the Fallout games. <laughs> my, my two faves are Skyrim. I, I'm, I'm not counting shooters. Skyrim and the entire Civilization franchise, I mean, those, even the older ones where the pixelations crap, they're, they're so much fun. So much fun. I bought Animal Crossing. I think I played 10 minutes of it. I've never played it again. <laughs> Stardew Valley's much better. It's so much better. I hate how people like um, hyped it up so much. I got the Pokemon game, the, I don't know the name of it, Sword maybe, or Shield? Played all of it. Yeah, I'm those, like, the, like that kind of person that's like, oh, what are you playing? A Switch? I was like, oh, I'll go get it. I'll go get a Switch from Best Buy right now. It's like, what are you playing? It's a Pokemon Star. I'll go get Pokemon And then I, like, played it, loved it. I was like, all right, anybody else playing something else? And then I saw on Twitter that everybody was playing Animal Crossing. And then it was so, like, it looked so cool. And I got so mad when I played it. I was like, Check out Hollow Knight. Huh? Check out what? Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know that one. It's, What's it's that one? Hollow Knight? On yeah, it's on Switch. And the, the sequel's coming out soon. It was like a two-person <gasps> developer studio. Like just, just like, like two people. And uh, like it's 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 incredible. I mean it's a challenging game. Um but it's like it's it's 2D Metroidvania. Metroidvania. Okay, so this this is this is what Hollow Knight is. It's post-apocalyptic, mm -hmm. but in a in a kingdom of insects underground. So like, imagine like sentient insects had like kind of a post-apocalyptic event in their big sprawling underground kingdom, and you're like a little explorer who has to fight the the remains of all the things that have got bad and stuff. It's really mm. cute. And but like also really dark kind of and like it's got such good atmosphere and music and um it's got like, like a little bit of dark souls in terms of like challenge kind of is pretty challenging, but it's a yeah, post apocalyptic insect kingdom. It's cool. It's really fun. It's it's adorable but like Oh, there This is Terror. He's the it's most crazy. lovable bullpug. It's it's kind of unrelated, but you talking about that game reminded me of a book series that I really, really liked um, by Ezekiel Boom. It's called the Hatchling Series. It's about these ancient spiders that have been kind of growing, I guess, underground and come up come above and they just wreck havoc. I mean, they are massive, massive spiders. Uh, I don't know why I talked about that, but I had to bring it up because you have to check it out. It's it's not like grade A, but it'll blow your mind. It's just a, a escape fun. It's, it's corny, <laughs> but with, oddly enough, believable enough kind of scientific backing that makes it plausible at least. It's pretty fun. 
JB, have you read Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky? I think that's how you say that. Uh, no. I've heard about it, though. It's, um, in a nutshell, it's about, um, so the human race is trying to find a way to, uh, I should say the human race. So a scientist is trying to find a way to create sentience. And so she decides to send this, creates this virus that'll create sentience inside monkeys. And some things happen, the monkeys are destroyed, but the virus gets put on this planet. And instead of creating sentient monkeys, it creates sentient spiders. I think nope. I that book on because that sounds really familiar. It's interesting. Now that's that's a very very high level um, summary of it because it's not just about the spiders, but this is like the only planet that the human race can go to. It's like the only uh, using a Star Trek term M class planet, and so uh, the human race decides to go there when Earth is destroyed, and they find spiders that can think. It's really cool. <laughs> that sounds good. I, I hate spiders, but I don't mind reading about them because they aren't going to hurt me. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, that sounds good. And you get a point of view from the spiders too. So oh. it's not just like eight, you know, eight-legged freaks where they're just trying to kill everybody. You actually right. are getting a perspective from the spiders as well as the humans. So it's really cool. 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 I don't think I've ever seen a good like spider movie like, i feel like everybody's like every time a movie's done with spiders it's like a b movie where like the cgi is pretty good which one no that was freaky I mean, which one sorry arachnophobia that was kind of kind of cliche moments kind of on the nose moments but it was still for what it was pretty creepy it's kind of like ghostbusters but with spiders yeah mm -hmm. kind of fun John Goodman is superb. I have a whole book that's basically about spiders. <laughs> I I may or may not have a very unique one in Unplugged too. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm. Do I bring in dragons? Do I bring in spiders? Do I bring in giant snakes? I don't know. Dragons always dragons. <laughs> I. I don't want it to be cliche and yeah. I think dragons are overdone. So. Call them out, call them out. Bearded dragons. <laughs> dragon spiders. Because my mine would have to do because it's not really a fantasy, it's kind of post apocalyptic kind of dystopian. So it would have to be mechanical and I you know I don't know. I don't know. A mechanical spider would be more fun because I did it with in in the first. I, I did it with some wild creatures and it works. So I kind of want to ramp it up a little bit. No. But spiders could be, but dragons. I, I love dragons. I'll, I'll read anything with dragons. Then, so. Something mechanical would be great, like you mentioned. How would I feel like to see something like that? I don't know. I might not have any of it. I might just be writing to you, so you don't know what's coming. I don't know. <laughs> I might just write. He went with dragons. We are coming on the two hour mark. 
See how this gets away from us? It flies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I unplugged Steve. It's especially different because we're so used to, uh, well, I'm pretty, so, the, our booktubers, I guess, we're so used to having a, this, like, a stream just specifically for a book or an author, and it's like, that's all we get to talk about, but this is more like loosey-goosey, more free, and you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's been fun. A lot of fun. It's been nice meeting everybody. Yeah. Yes, same here. I'm excited. I'm reading. I'm going to start your books next week. Oh, thank you. I, I really hope you enjoy them. Stacy just and everything she recommends to me, I love. So, yeah. same here. Everything she recommends. <laughs> I swear, it's like her and I. Our reading tastes are spot on the same. Great cool. minds. Well, thank you, JB, Ashley, Raul, Daniel, Steve, and Brandy for coming again. Um, I we. Are going to do something like this every month. I think Steve, you're are you hosting next month? I'm gonna try and convince Jolene to do it. Okay. It will be um, late for her, but yeah. it'll, it'll be like nine o'clock at night for or ten o'clock at night for her. But she's on she's on holiday, she says. That'll be fun because we'll do, well we always get to see her at the end of the day, don't we? <laughs> she's always still so bright and shiny. So we'll keep you guys in the loop if you want to join again next time. We'll let you guys know where it's going to be and when and everything. And, and of course, keep a lookout for any other discussions we have. Um, Daniel, we, um, we'll get you the information on the poppy or the, what is it? Dragon Republic? That is on. Yeah. I'll send you the link. It's, um, are you going to be finished by that day? We'll be finished, uh, and then we'll read the, the third one the following month. Cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to order it and start it. Cool. Do it you can have buddies to read it with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, before we log off, starting with JB, let us know how we can get a hold of your work and how people can get in touch with you as an author. Um, my work is available on Amazon. It's Unplugged by JB Taylor. Um, you can type that in, you'll be able to find it. Um, I'm on Twitter. Don't know my handle because that's how my brain works. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you, I don't know. If you find, if you find Raul, you can find me because we <laughs> recently friended each other. So um, do it that way. Um, and I'm on Goodreads. It's it's JB Taylor, um, and that's pretty much it. It, I mean, just be aware if you do follow me on Twitter. It, I'm a little weird. <laughs> it's it's train of thought, and I can tweet six different things, and only two of them make sense. <laughs> his, uh, his handle is uh, JB Taylor forty two. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I forty two in almost everything I do because it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Daniel, how can people find you? Yeah, I uh, all my books are on Amazon, uh, along Goodreads, and on Twitter. I am my handle is at EBH Fiction. So yeah, uh, pretty simple. But I'm always there, rambling about weird stuff, and you know, sometimes not weird stuff, and posting dog pictures. It's, it's, <laughs> Always appreciate. 
So like the only thing I have on my Twitter, because I don't use it for personal reasons. So the only thing I have on there is book stuff and dog pictures from <laughs> like anything. It's just like if I'm in a bad mood, I scroll through Twitter and look at dog pictures. That's that's pretty much my Instagram, which is why I didn't mention it. Because it's that's just it's, it's just dog stuff. <laughs> I posted a dog thing this morning that I was really proud of. Yeah. I did the Bernie Sanders meme. Yeah. That was a good one, yeah, so that... <laughs> I, was, I was like a little too proud of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into Twitter, but I just have for social media I have like a I don't know a block. Yeah. It's but good, I but don't take it down. I'm gonna try it for Stacy's readathon that's coming up. In, that's right. In, for when is that? Court of, Court of Mist and Fury. Yes, so it, it'll be the 12th starting at midnight. Are we doing a, we're going to do a video? Yeah. So at I'm planning two videos, a reading, uh, a kickoff meeting just for us to chat. And then we'll do a reading sprint. Um, uh, so the kickoff will be at midnight. And then the reading sprint will be noon that on Saturday. I'll be there. I'm excited. I'm waiting to read it for you. I appreciate that. I know I'm it's being really hard. so. I know I'm excited I'm, though. You already I'm read it, right? Patient. Yes, but I want to read it again. <laughs> I'm excited you're gonna read it with us. Mm -hmm. Um, it, that the middle book is my favorite. A Court of Mist and Fury has got to be hands down my favorite. Oh, awesome. I'm excited because I really liked A Court of Thorns and Roses. I'm excited. I can't wait to read that. All right. Well, thanks again for y'all being here. Thanks, we will see you all later. Bye. Thanks, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And.